As state legislatures across the country are passing a great deal of pro-life legislation, the conversation surrounding that is revealing the vapidity of the argument we have on abortion in this country. We're going to talk about that and more on today's Corey True Act Show. And just in case you heard me wrongly, I said vapidity, which is just a derivation of the word vapid. It means to lose, or basically it means to, uh, to be dull. How dull the conversation is, how how dumb the conversation is around abortion in the country. And that's that might be all we do. I do want to try to get to other things on the show today, but I don't know that we can. I am, I will admit, I'm coming to the microphone this week with uh, some fire in my belly and some actual passion and emotion surrounding the topic. And not necessarily because it's, it's abortion, because, but it is because of how dumb I have seen the conversation. Uh, and, the, and the degradation of thinking that I have seen in social media surrounding this, like it's just a lot of stupidity. And so the, the issue matters to me, but the conversation around the issue has been so bad, I will admit, I'm coming to you today quite fired up. We will get to that fire in just a minute. But first, my name is Corey Truax. We're dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything here on the Corey Truax Show. I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets in Greenville, South Carolina on 123 in Greenville on Sunday mornings at 1030. And you are cordially invited to Beachwood Church on any given of those Sunday mornings. I'll get you get you to the facts of the case cases here in just a moment. But first, I want to say one quick word to a group of people that I I used to talk with a great deal. I'm not much of a Republican, like I'm not one at all. But I remember a a genre of conversation I would have with some regularity regarding the Republican Party and people who uh, didn't want to vote for anybody, like people who are like a lot like me, disaffected, that don't really want to participate in the political system, would say things like, well, what, what's the Republican Party done about abortion? And a lot of those people don't know how this works. Like, you can't just pass a law from the federal level to... Anyway, I could, I, I could get into all the uh, the minutiae, but the point here being that they would give me that challenge. What's the Republican Party ever done on abortion? Well, the answer actually is quite a bit. All kinds of curtailing and different regulation to try to help make the killing of the unborn less often. And you want to know what Republicans are doing on abortion? Look around the country. Ohio now has a 20-week ab- abortion ban. We have I mean, some other... I can't remember some of these other states that I did not expect to have 20-week bans. And then now you have some of these... The, the big three over the last several weeks that have caused so much rancor and discussion, although not smart discussion in the country. We had Georgia's bill, which was a heartbeat bill. Once a, a, bill is, a heartbeat is detected, abortion is no longer legal, which is essentially a ban on abortion because vast majority of abortions happen after a heartbeat can be detected. There was the Alabama bill that everyone went nuts over because it just declares that which is in the womb from the moment of conception, that's a person, and it has all of the protections of law, equal rights under the law, equal protection under the law, as I do, as you do, that there, that, that child even just the moment of conception, just because they're in a different stage of development and just because their dependency level is different does not mean they're not a person, so they get all the 
all of the rights and protections of being a person. And then there's the Missouri bill, which may, might be a little bit more wise. They def, Missouri bill definitely set up. They wrote theirs knowing there would be court cases because the Missouri bill is basically heartbeat and then 20 weeks. And then also, I can't remember another restriction. Like it's, it's, it's written in a way that if, if, you, uh, if you do say that it's unconstitutional to ban abortion after a heartbeat, well then let's try it at this many weeks and then this many weeks and this many weeks and make a judge decide. Make a judge decide, okay, when? When can we cut it off? And so that's a really creative way that Missouri did it. So first, to those folks who are, who, what a Republican Party ever done about abortion? Listen, I'm, I don't want to defend Republicans. I have no interest in that. But the answer is actually quite a bit, quite a bit on this, especially lately. Now, beyond that, facts of the case. I sort of gave you those facts just now. There are several bills that have restricted access, diminished access to killing your children in the womb, or as we call it, euphemistically abortion. And the ones that have caused the most rancor have been Georgia, the heartbeat bill, and then Alabama, the Alabama bill that outright declares that which is in the womb is a human person deserving of the rights and protection under the law. I want to get to the morality of those and the arguments I've heard against them. Before I do that, I do want to say a quick word about strategy. For pro-life people, so I would imagine majority of my audience is pro-life, anti-abortion. The uh, there, there is something strategic to think about here, and this has been a difference between folks like uh, Ramesh Panaru, Pan- Pan- I think is how you say his name. He's with National Review versus maybe a Matt Walsh. I think Ben Shapiro is actually a on the opposite side of Matt Walsh on this, the uh, there's this idea of incrementalism, and the idea the idea there being uh, we want to get rid of abortions because it is the murder of the unborn. Uh, so let's nibble around the edges. Let's take the bites that we can take, and over time, uh, do what we can because Roe versus Wade is out there, and it's going to be the law of the land. So uh, let's take whatever ground we can take over time, uh, and we'll we'll see how far we can get. That tends to be where I've been because I just think it's the best strategy. And then there are folks like this guy who wrote the bill in, in Alabama. He is straight saying, no, we want to end it. We're tired of, we're tired of nibbling around the edges. We're, we're tired of taking small steps. We're tired of increments. We want to end this barbaric practice. So we are trying to get a case to the Supreme Court specifically to try and overturn Roe versus Wade. So, like these 20-week bills, for example, heart, uh, maybe the heartbeat bill is a little different, but like a 20-week bill. Courts have already found that you can do that. You, you can go ahead and have that kind of restriction. Like this is going to the heart of Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade saying a state can't, cannot pass a regulation that, uh, that affects abortion in the first trimester. So no state, none of the 50 states, can restrict a woman's access to killing her child in the first 13 weeks of gestation. And so when you have a this bill that says these are people and therefore this state is going to not allow it, uh, that is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. So what guys like Ben Shapiro and R- Ramesh Panaru have said is they're not sure that that's going to go well for pro-life people at the Supreme Court. I'm even skeptical if they if the Supreme Court would take the case. Because to take a case, uh, I can't remember the actual the the legal term for this. Assert of, assert of. Ah, man, I forgot my my terms. I used to know a lot of legal terms. In any event, the uh, you have to have four justices 
are, who are willing to take a case. So you, let's say you go through this scenario with the Alabama bill and the different circuit courts and the and appellate courts have differing opinions, uh, or let's say they don't have a differing opinions. Let's say that the appellate courts use Roe versus Wade as a precedent and say, this is this is unconstitutional. You can't declare that which is in the womb as a person. Roe versus Wade says you can't do that. So you, you, you can't regulate the first 13 weeks of pregnancy. Well, it could get to the Supreme Court, to, and the, the appeal could get to the Supreme Court, and there might not be four justices that says, well, even take the case. And so the lower court's ruling stays in place. I'm confident that Sam Alito, Clarence Thomas, and uh, Gorsuch, I, I am confident those three would take the case. I'm not confident John Roberts would even take the case. And I'm not confident that Brett Kavanaugh even takes the case. But let's say they decided to take the case. I'm not confident John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh cast the vote that would essentially overturn Roe versus Wade. And so the guys like Ramesh and Ben Shapiro are saying, you don't have only one shot at this, but you would only have so many shots to go to the Supreme Court and overturn this thing while we're not sure the outcome of that tr- of that case, let's not send it there. Let's not put things into motion to get it to the Supreme Court when we're not really sure what would happen. And so strategically, I get where they're coming from, but then there is this idea morally where I recognize every year almost a million children are murdered. Abortion, quote, doctors, which is a hard word to use for someone who kills children for a living, but ab- abortion procedurists kill almost a million kids a year in this country. And so, yeah, I, I also see the argument of, well, we got to do something. we got to try to move forward to do something big. And so, uh, I'm not confident that's going to go great at the Supreme Court, but that is the two strategy points. Some folks want to go a little slower um, and not take the risk of going to, the, going to the Supreme Court and losing, which is a very real possibility in this case. Now, one other quick, one other quick point that needs to get mentioned that I, I wish everybody in the country understood because I think it would improve the discourse around this. The discourse it has been, oh, it's been horrendous. You can't even call it discourse. You can't call it conversation. This has really just been some of the dumbest social media back and forth I've ever seen. The, the idea of turning overturning Roe versus Wade, I think a lot of people don't know this. Like there's a, let me tell a quick aside story. I'm coming back to the Roe versus Wade point. There was a story that came out, I can't remember which magazine published it, but after Affordable Care Act was passed, after Obamacare was passed, there was an older lady that apparently, let's assume the story is true, went to some doctor, some specialist, and tried to get some kind of procedure scheduled and, and said, you know, now that the Affordable Care Act is passed, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to pay for this, right? Like, she, she was... She very much misunderstood what the Affordable Care Act was, because there was a lot of, a lot of lying, a lot of promising going on around it, and so she was confused. So what happens if the Affordable Care Act get passed? Well, she thought, well, if it gets passed, I get to go get everything for free all the time when it comes to medical care. Equally, I think there is a lot of people on my side who are pro-life people that they think that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion becomes illegal in the country. I need you to understand that's not true, and I need you to help me make sure everyone around you knows that when this comes up. Roe versus Wade being overturned does not mean abortion becomes illegal. All that it means is that each state 
can regulate it or not regulate it to the degree that they want. And so in South Carolina, we probably would go ahead and have a full abortion ban. But in Massachusetts, they don't have to, re- they don't have to regulate it at all. When Roe versus Wade is overturned, it lets states do whatever they want. And so Massachusetts is probably going to go back to a world where you can kill children when everything but their head is out of the birth canal. Like th- There's going to be other laws in California that are similar. And so you have, I think, folks on the, on the pro-abortion and pro-life side that they, so even like the pro-abortion people, they think they're trying to get Roe versus Wade overturned. And if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, then abortion is going to be made illegal. Well, that's not true either. So you can f- stop freaking out to the degree that you are. If Roe versus Wade gets overturned tomorrow, there will be 15 states in this, in this country that have abortion basically on demand. I have a lot more I want to talk about on this topic and I really want to get to all of the terrible arguments that I've seen on the internet from it. We'll do that and hopefully something beyond this when we return for the rest of the Corey Act show. I have heard some of the dumbest discourse I've ever heard the last couple of weeks surrounding these abortion bills that have come out of Georgia, Alabama, and Missouri, a couple other states as well. I'm going to itemize those dumb things I've heard in just a second. I would first quickly like to encourage you to find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find me there. Like, follow, all those things so you can get more content throughout the week. It's always highly appreciated when you share this show with other people. Even just tell people to start listening to podcasts generally because podcasting is awesome. And then they can find my show along the way. And then I, I want to highlight Anchor, the service I use to distribute this show to um, all the different podcasting apps that are out there. They're pushing hard their new feature that you can send shows a voice message without using their app now. So you don't even have to download the Anchor app to send me voice messages. Uh, but it's good to download the Anchor app, and you can tell me what you think. I would love to hear your abortion-related thoughts if you want. You can send that to me over at anchor.fm, or you can do it with the Anchor app on your iPhone or Android device. Okay, here are some of the dumb things that I have heard regarding the abortion debate. I think a lot of the inanity that I've heard is almost a deliberate... I was going to say misunderstanding, but that's not right. A deliberate unwillingness to understand the pro-life argument. What I'm about to say is very simplistic, but it's true. If you recognize what pro-life people are saying is this, if if you recognize that, what we're saying is that which is in the womb is a human being deserving of protection. If you believe, if you understand that, if you recognize that that's what we're saying, then none of the arguments being made in favor of abortion make any sense. Just for example, I'm going to come back to this one later, but you're not a woman, so you don't get an opinion. right? So if I think that's a person, it's obvious I don't need to be a woman to want you to not kill it because this is not about a woman's right. It's not about femininity. In, in womanhood. I am a person, though, in the same way that I don't want people outside the womb or her elderly people or infirmed people. I don't want them killed, and I, don't, and I think they should be protected by the law. I think this unborn person should also be protected by the law. I don't need a, a uterus 
to understand that and make that argument. And so if you do understand that, that what pro-life people are saying is, that's a human, you shouldn't be able to kill humans, innocent humans, then this is most of the, uh, the bad arguments go away. But with that said, that's, that, that is the, pro, the affirmative pro-life argument. By the way, I didn't even mention any Bible there. I mean, I could get biblical on this. But the affirmative pro-life argument doesn't necessarily need a religious background. Scientifically, you, you can just make the argument at the point of conception, that being now has its own genetic makeup, has its own genetic code. It's, I, I remember I, I heard this argument. Uh, who was? Oh, yeah, I saw on Twitter someone making the argument that was anti-self-gratification. Uh, Let's just keep it clean. Um, that, that was saying, the, saying basically when a dude... Uh, takes part in such things. You know, he's kill- He's killing all kinds of kids. Well, because that's that's, that's what your it's potential life. Well, that's not true. So the the idea uh, that that's not potential life. The the uh, I'm trying to think of delicate ways to say these things. The the act that they're talking about there is not potential life. It's actually just that's just a, that is still a guy. It's still the same DNA as the guy. The new DNA strand, something that's unique, is when a man and a woman come together in creation of a of a new DNA strand. It's not just a part of a guy. And so this is, uh, I think, the most logical place to say we have a new person is they have their own DNA. Some people draw different lines of when they can feel pain. Brain waves detected, heartbeat, something like that. But yeah, uh, you you get this argument without even necessarily needing to go religious or biblical on it. You You can just recognize... We believe this is a human being and should not be killed. All right, so that is the affirmative pro-life argument. The biggest category of argument I've heard that I found very frustrating is a category of hypocrisy. So I keep hearing things like, I played for you the audio last week of that that bully, uh, that coward in Pennsylvania that was asking that old elderly woman on the street, how many children have you fed? How many children have you clothed? Or I've had people, how many kids have you adopted? This idea being, well, if you haven't done the things that I would consider to be taking care of kids, then you can't be against killing kids. Of course that's absurd on its face. But that's supposed to be this hypocrisy means you can't be pro-life. Like You can't be against abortion because you don't take care of all children. Because you don't clothe every kid and feed every kid. You can't be against abortion. And there's this idea of because you're a hypocritical, therefore I get to kill this kid. And so I'm going to give you some more specifics on that in a second. But first, let me just grant that. If if you were brave enough to listen to the show today and you're a pro-abortion person and you look at these pro-lifers, you look at people like me and you go, they're so hypocritical. They're hypocrites. They don't even believe what they believe. You know that, let's go ahead and do this. We're all hypocrites. We're all garbage human beings. Let's go ahead and do that. Did you know that doesn't make you right about abortion? That might make you right about your opponent. You might be justified in hating our guts. Maybe we're all terrible hypocrites. Do you know that means nothing about that which is in the womb? We can all be hypocritical, terrible people, and that which is in the womb still deserves protection. And there is a bunch of folks I'm finding on the internet that find they think that if they establish their opponent is a hypocritical bad person, then that means they're right about the argument. No, that's not what that establishes. It means your opponent might be hypocritical, but you're still wrong about that which 
is in the womb. And so someone comes along and says, you guys only care about kids when they're born. You, you, you don't care about, uh, you, you don't, that's it, excuse me, the other way around. You don't care about kids when they're born. You only care about the unborn, and then you forget about them. Assume that's true for a minute, which is garbage, by the way. You know who actually does the most good for, the, for kids in need? It's the churches. It's, the, it's places like the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, the federal government does a ton. It is Christians and religious people that do most of the charity in this culture. It is Christians and religious people that give away the most money and give away the most property and give away the most time serving the less needy. So it's not even true. It is religious and pro-life people that do the most of the good works. But even if we didn't, even if we were all terrible hypocrites, that doesn't mean you get to go kill kids. And I don't even like outside of the two things not being connected, like, we can all be hypocritical. That doesn't mean anything about the... It means nothing about the abortion argument. All your opponents can be really hypocritical. It means nothing about whether or not you should be able to kill children. But even if you try to trace the logic of these things, if I'm unwilling to adopt and care for a person, I can't oppose their murder? Listen, I don't want to adopt and take care of the homeless people I see in downtown Greenville. I don't have the ability to adopt them and take care of them. I don't want them murdered, though. There are unwanted kids all throughout the foster system. I'd lo- I would love to be able to adopt one of those kids one day. But the fact that I can't adopt them, and I don't adopt them, doesn't mean you can kill them. And it doesn't mean I'm hypocritical for not wanting them killed. So not only... Are the two things not connected? Not only does my hypocrisy or some Christian's hypocrisy mean nothing about the abortion debate, the logic itself of the argument is insane. It's vapid, it's inane, and it's dumb. There's a couple others that I... So that's one big category. One big category I heard was, you guys are such hypocrites. Okay, fine, whatever. We're all hypocrites. That means nothing. It doesn't mean anything about this debate. It just means your opponents are bad people. All right, that's one. Two. I saw this one coming up. You guys are all so pro-life, are you? You're so pro-life. Well, what about the death penalty? Right, again, huh, I don't, why doesn't anyone understand logic? Let's say that that's true. Let's say everyone's a big old hypocrite because they are anti-abortion and pro-death penalty. That still doesn't mean anything about abortion. It just means the person you're talking to is in your mind hypocritical. It doesn't make an argument in the affirmative for you whatsoever. You're just attacking your opponent. That's all you're doing. But the two things are different, qualitatively. The person in the womb is innocent. That's actually what we're arguing. The only reason we can kill somebody under the U.S. Constitution is because of the 14th Amendment, or maybe the 14th and the 5th together. So uh, you can't deprive someone of life, liberty, or property without what? We call it due process of law. And so the person going into the death penalty, well, we, we've given them due process. They have been, uh, they've been charged. They've been indicted. They've been tried by uh, a jury of their peers. They've been given access to counsel. And then after a, a verdict came down, there was, an, a, there was sentencing that was given by a judge and then appeals. And now this guilty person, having been given due process, is going to be deprived of his or her life. We don't have an attorney for the unborn. There's no one there to argue his or her case. 
if there's ever been a demographic of person who cannot speak for themselves, speak for himself or speak for herself, it's the unborn child in the womb. Qualitatively, you can bring up the death penalty if you want, but that sure is stupid. That doesn't have anything to do with what's happening in abortion. And again, you might be trying to prove that your opponents are hypocritical. Doesn't make you right, though. They can be hypocritical, and you can still be wrong. Here's another one I noticed that gets on my nerves. I mentioned it earlier. I saw signs, people holding up, that says, No uterus, no opinion. Oh, God. So, I, I don't even know how you... I, actually didn't, I do know how you got there, because that first thing I said... First thing I said was, if you acknowledge that the pro-life case, the affirmative pro-life case is simply that, that which is in the womb is a person deserving of protection under the law, then you, you recognize, we don't, this is not about your, this is not about a woman, this is not about you, it's about the child. And so it doesn't matter that I can't have a kid to not want kids murdered. The two things aren't connected. The... I don't need, <laughs> I'm, I am a person, so there, I, I'm connecting myself to that which is in the womb, not to you. You're like, no uterus, no opinion. Well, I am a person, and the thing in your womb is a person. So I'm connected to that. I don't, like, I'm not a dog, but I don't want dogs beaten. What is this? What? I don't have to be the thing to have a logical point and to have a philosophy that says we should defend life and not kill, and not kill people that have not lived. Outside the womb yet. All right. What's another one I heard? I, uh, oh, yes. This one also. It's almost like a purposeful ignoring of the point. Anytime someone brings up, you, you, it's all these men passing these laws, and they just want to control women's bodies. A couple of things. The pro-life movement is majority women. Men have actually been quite the disappointment in the pro-life movement. When you look at the March for Life, that's a lot of ladies out there. There's some dudes, but it is majority women out in the March for Life and almost a million people that show up for that. If you show up to any of your March for Life events in January at your state capitals, you're going to see more ladies than men. When you think of the leaders in the pro-life movement, you don't actually think of men. You think of people like Lila Rose. You think about, I can't remember some of these other people's names, but the people who run these organizations that are very pro-life organizations are almost always women, and it's a woman-driven movement. Even outside, like, they put up pictures of the Alabama State Senate. Like, oh, look at these white men who passed the law. They were voting on a law that a woman wrote. The Alabama law was sponsored primarily by a woman in the House. So all of those white dudes voted for a woman's bill. Then it was signed by a woman governor. Also... This is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it was dudes or ladies because all that matters is what are we doing in the womb? Is that a person or not? Does that person deserve to be protected? It doesn't matter who passed it, who wrote it, what their gender was. Also, left-wingers, you're putting up pictures of the Alabama Senate and you're talking about how these white guys passed this bill. I can't believe you would be so offensive as to assume their gender and assume their race. Do you know what they identify as? Do you know what pronouns they prefer? You, For all you know, one of those, quote, old white guys, he identifies as a young Indian child girl. How do you know that's not true? You've made the assumption of their gender and you made the assumption of their race. And how dare you? 
is what I'd say there. And so this idea of, it's just you guys want to control women's bodies. Man, I tell you this. I, I probably should care more what people do with their bodies, but I'm fairly libertarian. And I don't know that I could possibly care less what pagans go out and do with their bodies. What I care about is the consequence of what they do with their bodies. If, what, if the consequence is creating another person. And once you've created another person, you've, you've, there's consequences to your actions, guys. This is, I have no desire, and pro-life people have no desire to control a woman's body. We just want kids to stop being killed. That's what we want. And I, I wish they would control their own bodies and not control ours. Like, if you don't want to have a, and it's not us controlling their bodies, here's what would be, here's what would be a great thing. Stop having sex with men you don't want to have kids with. If you don't want to be having a kid, stop putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be pregnant. I, I swear. Folks on the left, when they talk about abortion, they talk about pregnancy like it's the cold, like it's a cold, like it's the, uh, but watch my mouth, I'm on the air, like it's the measles, like it's an infectious disease. And they could have never guessed how, oh man, I've caught pregnancy. What do I do? Now, that's not how this works. It's not a disease. You didn't pick it up on accident. You don't want people controlling your bodies? I don't want people controlling your bodies either. I want you to control your bodies and stop getting pregnant when you don't want to have a kid. This should not be controversial. How dare you, Corey, tell a woman how to live? I, I'm not. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm giving you some wisdom. I'm telling you uh, that you living however you want, doing whatever you want, and then just being willing to murder the product of your stupidity and your sin, that's an immoral thing. So no one wants to control these women's bodies. I couldn't care less about these women's bodies. We just don't want kids killed. Maybe one or two more of these. What's the one I want? Oh, yeah, I'm doing, I should have written all these down. I'm doing this from memory. This was the big one. This guy, I'm going to have to take this into the next segment, I suspect. There was a lot of discussion because there's no rape or incest exception in the Alabama bill. It just declares that which is in the womb is a person, so you can't kill it. And so we had folks in the pro-life movement having some arguments over this, some people who want rape, excep- rape exceptions. I'm not one of them because I am consistent. If a woman is raped in a pregnancy... And she conceives, and there's a pregnancy. There's now three people involved in that scenario. There's the rapist, there's the woman, there's the child. If someone has to die, I want to kill the rapist. And I would even argue that rape is a heinous, heinous enough crime to be given the death penalty. I, 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 let's do it. Let's pass the law. If you're convicted of rape, let, let's, let's prove it. You know, I got some folks on the left that want to say, you not being willing to allow for abortion in the case of rape means you don't take rape seriously. Let me tell you how serious I take rape. Let's kill them. If they, if, if we have a rapist convicted by a jury of his peers, I don't care if he got the woman pregnant or not. If, if he, if we have a rapist convicted by a jury of his peers, it needs to be one of the options for a judge to sentence that man to death. And I don't want him sitting around. I don't want to be. I don't want that guy sitting on the dole in, in in prison. That guy can be taken to a firing squad and shot. That that's what we can do with him. Now now are we taking rape seriously? 
Let me, let me, I would ask that left winger too. Are, are you cool with the death penalty for him? Oh, no? That's not what you want to do? You want to leave him in prison for the next 30 years, 40, 50, 60 years, we take care of him? Is that what you want to do? I take, I take rape so seriously, I think we should give the death penalty to those that commit it. But what happens in rape is still a person is created, and they give you this appeal that, well, you would have a woman raise her rapist child. I'm not even saying that. If she doesn't want to raise that child, okay, we'll work that out. A lot of people want to adopt. I just want to, I want to talk about adoption a little bit more after this break anyway. And I have some other thoughts about this rape argument as well. And we might get to some other topics. But I think this one is worth spending an entire show on. I do think a time is coming where we are going to recognize what we've done with abortion in the last hundred years is as morally egregious as what we did with slavery over a hundred or two hundred some odd years in the Atlantic slave trade. We are involved in the mass genocide of the unborn. It's morally egregious and it's worth our time. I have a lot more on this I want to say when we return for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. I recognize over that break that maybe me, I hate to call this ranting, but responding to the arguments that I've heard regarding abortion over this over these bills and the discussion on these bills in state legislatures, that I might not be being as instructive as I want, not instructing on how to have the conversation, but just me giving information out. And so to make one instructive point, and we'll get back to it, the, the thing to always be willing to do is just calmly, in an online discussion and in an in-person discussion with someone in your family that disagrees on this, is just, con- I know it's, you'll sound like a broken record, but just to keep coming back to and what I'm telling you is I believe it's a person. So when someone says, well, what about rape? Well, you know, what I'm telling you is I think it's a person. Well, you're trying to control a woman's body. Yet what I'm trying to tell you is I actually think the thing in the womb is a person. You know, you're not a woman. You can't have an opinion. And what I'm telling you is just scientifically I, what's in the womb is a person. And so it deserves, I only have one point. Like I am a broken record. I have one point. That which is in the womb is a person and it's deserving of protection under the law. And unless you have a response to that, there's nothing else to talk about because that's that's all I have. That's that's what that's what we believe, and we believe the science is there. I also believe the theology is there to recognize that the only logical place to say there's a new person is at the point of conception, and so we don't want to we don't want to see that that kid die. So instructively, just keep coming back to that point. It's the only point that matters. Even to the extent that I would say, don't even respond to some of the the things people bring up when people are making you're a hypocrite because of this. Just keep coming back to it. Yeah, all I'm telling you is that what that which is in the womb is a person and is deserving of protection under the law, and that's the only conversation worth having. Okay, I have several points I want to get to on this, but first I do want to do one quick promotional thing. Hey, I have another show. It's called South Carolina Connections with Corey Truax. It's from the Palmetto Family Podcast Network. Wherever you are listening to my show right now, you can get that show as well, and I hope you will. Go over and listen to the latest episode of South Carolina Connections with Corey Truax. Get this show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and at WLFJ. One other quick appeal. I now have several people who are supporting the show. By supporting the show, I mean giving to it financially. And I would ask you, whoever you are as you listen, I wonder how much worth you find in the show and the information you get from it and the way in which this content is packaged. And there's a, there's a growing number of you now. Right, so there, we're at a spot 
on a show here that if we had an event, like if we did a get together, there would be people. Like it would be a bigger event than I think some of you would expect. And I'm great. I, I got mean this. I every time I look at my analytics, and I see the number of people listening, I have a moment of who, how, why would anyone listen to me? And so I'm super grateful for you, whoever you are, when you listen. I have close friends who listen, but the numbers are such now that I know there are some of you listening that I don't even know. We've never met. I don't even know how you found it. But you're out there listening, and we, we have no idea who each other is. So, I mean, you know me because you listen to the show, but I've never heard from you. And so, I would just ask very quickly, how, what's the show worth to you? Uh, and if you find any worth in it, if you think, you know, what's worth five bucks to me, five bucks a month. It's worth five bucks one time. Then let me encourage you. This is one of the reasons I like to use Anchor, anchor anchor.fm. They set that up for you. That's where I already have some people supporting the show is you can just set up a recurring donation. You could donate one time if you would be so inclined. Uh, But I'm actually going to appeal for it now because part of that reason is I have my day job and I have the second show and I do a lot. But one of these days, man, I'd, I'd love to do this full time and put out more content daily and do more video. And if that's going to ever start, it should start now and start small, I guess. So let me appeal to you. If, if it if five bucks a month, if you think four, that's four episodes, a, it's four episodes per month typically. And so if you think an episode of the show is worth a dollar, basically, five bucks a month would be huge. I mean that. So, uh, or whatever you would be so inclined to do, uh, that support would be highly appreciated. And maybe it, we can move towards this being something full-time later in the future as well. All right, let's get back to this. We've been talking abortion all day, and it really, more than the issue of abortion, we've been talking about the conversation around it and how vapid and empty and dull it has been. So one quick other word I, as I was seeing these discussions online. As people on the left and pro-abortion people were screaming, you don't adopt. What about adoption? Well, I w- first, I need you to know that Christians are the number one demographic of people who adopt in the United States. It's a, a Christian idea to adopt. It's literally a part of the Christian legacy. Uh, it was a weird thing in Rome that, so if you had a girl and you didn't want a girl when you really wanted a boy, or if you've had a child that had some kind of malformation, it was very normal in ancient Rome to put that child out with the trash, just lay that child out with the trash to be picked up because there was actually a trash system in Rome. And Christians were picking up those babies and caring for those babies. This is actually recorded in Roman history outside of Christian history. We have been the people of adoption. It's actually a theological idea. Ephesians tells that, I think in Ephesians 1, it might be Ephesians 3, that we've been adopted into the family of God. That's a beautiful truth. That's how we are all brothers and sisters in Christ and have the same father. We're adopted as sons and daughters. And so adoption, Christians actually do this a lot. Pro-life people do it a lot. If you go to pro-life events, you'll actually be surprised at how many people have already adopted there or they're part of the foster system. But this is the truth on uh, the argument I'm hearing where, well, there's going to be a bunch of kids born that nobody wants. Or there's going to be a bunch of kids born First, first, first part of that sentence, by the way, that's great news. We want more kids born and not killed. It's awesome when kids are born. We love when kids are born. Babies are great. Ever held a baby? Ever smelled a baby? They're awesome. We love babies. Now, you know it's not hard to get a baby adopted? The There's actually a waiting list for those things. For, for, if you're trying to get a newborn, you want an infant, it's really hard to adopt an infant because there's only so many of them. What's hard 
is adopting kids who are five and six and seven and eight years old. That's a hard system, hard situation. And the kids that we get from ending abortion in some of these states, they'll be adopted. This is actually not a big problem. It's not hard to adopt out a newborn. There's people waiting to do it. The, the Something we should be considering is that the bigger challenge is we've got a lot of kids in a, in a really broken foster system that are a little older, and that is, uh, that's our bigger challenge in the, ado- in the adoption world. Uh, we've got to keep moving here because we're going to run out of time. I posted something on Facebook during this time that I'm surprised. I do mean that I'm surprised that it was as well responded to as uh, as it was. Um, as I sit here, it currently has 124 reactions. It was shared 38 times. That's about double the reaction I typically get on a Facebook post. And I'm surprised at the hatred I got, but also surprised at how, I don't know, people found it profound or something. But surrounding this abortion debate in, in the rape situation, that when there is a rape with a, with a woman still need to have the child of her rapist. And I just went out there to say, you know, there, something being overlooked, it seemed, in the conversation about whether or not we should be able to kill the children of rapists is that those people actually exist. That as you go throughout your life and you stop at a traffic light and look to your left or right, every now and then the person you see there was conceived in rape. You are in an elevator. You're in an office building. Some of the people you interact with, work with, have neighborhood with, maybe your kid plays on a soccer team, and someone you're dealing with is the product of a rape. And they're still people. They still have lives that are worth living. They're they're people and human beings all around us. And so before we make it, we, we talk about it so easy. Well, if a woman's been raped, it should just be really easy for her to go kill that kid. I just wanted to say to the people who, some people don't know they were conceived in rape. Some people do. One person commented that said, you know, my mom told me I was conceived in a, I was conceived in a rape. I wanted those people to know, you, you are people. You are human. You are, your lives are worth having. No one should have killed you. And some people were, I had one person comment, so you're condoning rape, which I actually laughed at. I, I, I very rarely laugh out loud. It's one of my big pet peeves is people say LOL. They never actually do laugh out loud. I read someone said, you must be condoning rape. But I was like, that's funny. Also really stupid. How'd that person get there? And by the way, I do think you get there through uh, what's theologically called the noetic effect of the fall. That over time, this is the noetic effect of the fall. That after the fall of man in the garden, our brains are becoming less sophisticated. We, we process things even more poorly. The farther we get from Eden, the farther we get from God's ideal, the worse things are going to go, including the function of our brains. And so when I say to somebody, hey, people who were conceived in rape are still people, and someone responds, you must be really cool with rape. What you know is the noetic effect of the fall is happening there. This person is, is just is dumb, and their brain isn't working well. So th- that is a thing I would love for us to, especially as Christians in the abortion discussion, to infuse into the conversation. Hey, kids who are conceived in abortion are people, and they matter, and it sh- we shouldn't talk about killing them like it's super easy. 
maybe the final part of this. If you have these discussions in your family or online, I think each side needs to recognize what the typical abortion is in this country or the scenario surrounding it. Because I've said before on the show, for the left-winger, for the pro-abortion person, they, they see that there's almost a million abortions in the country every year. And in their scenario, essentially every one of them, every one of those abortions is because an 11-year-old was raped by her father, the kid has no arms or legs, one eye, and if the child is born, it will kill the 11-year-old. Like, we figured that out medically. Like, that's every abortion. Oh, so I did mention rape. Yeah, raped by a father, maldif. Like, this is, I'm trying to think of all the reasons that they think killing a child in the womb is okay. And then there's probably some scenario in which the, uh, the, the pro-lifer thinks that every abortion is, there's a woman, she's on her eighth abortion because she's just a woman of low repute, and she's using abortion as a, a birth control. And so neither scenario is accurate. According to Guttmacher Institute, that's a pro-abortion group. They're affiliated with Planned Parenthood. This is the actual real typical abortion in America. The typical abortion in America is a woman in her early to mid-30s, somewhere in there, who's middle to a little bit above middle-class income, single, or in a serious relationship, one of the two, not typically not married, but single or in a serious relationship, who gets pregnant? They were un, they un, they did not intend to get pregnant either. Th- it, often, actually, the, the more plurality situation is a woman who is in a relationship with a guy, long term, and in that long term relationship, she gets pregnant, and they just decide. She just decides, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't feel ready, and in the first thirteen weeks, it's usually in the first thirteen weeks. Most abortions happen in the first trimester. She has the pregnancy aborted. She kills the child in the womb. I should have also mentioned, yet yeah, there is, I think, a lot of pro-life people, their, their scenario for abortion is a woman with really low standards who's on her fifth or sixth abortion, and she has every abortion in the 40th week of gestation. But what I just described to you, that is your typical abortion in America. It's a crime. It is a deed of convenience. This this is one of the reasons I I so resent the people who do the rape and incest thing immediately. Like, you start talking about abortion, and they go, what about rape and incest? And it's, I'm trying to think of, a, uh, when I try to think of analogies off the top of my head, it's always dangerous. Like, let's go to, I mean, I'm into nutrition, let's go nutrition. When you're talking about trying to lose weight, and you know, you're, the person you're dealing with has, a, has a, a soda, like not a diet soda, has a soda at every meal, um, and drinks like a Dr. Pepper throughout the day. It typically has like muffins and pancakes for breakfast, and they are eating pizza for lunch, usually with like dessert that's like a cake. And for dinner, they're typically having a bunch of lasagna or spaghetti, and then they eat some kind of like ice cream for dinner. And uh, on Saturdays, they you know, do a lot of fast food and some fries with that fast food. And we get together and decide, how are we going to attack your nutrition situation because you want to lose weight? And someone says we got to stop eating the fries at the bottom of the bag. On those Saturdays when you do fast food and there's some fries, sometimes they drop into the bottom of the bag that they weren't supposed to be there, you got to stop eating those. 
well, that's like 1% of the calories that person's eating. Why would we talk about the 1% of the categories of, of the calories that person is eating? We should talk about the, the bigger situation that we're having this many carbs, this many calories. That's the bigger situation. Same thing situation over here with rape and incest. According to Guttmacher Institute, according to a left-wing pro-abortion source, 1%, maybe a smidge more, 1% of abortions are because of rape and incest. Why are we talking about this small little group? I almost refuse. I almost refuse to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about the fries at the bottom of the back. When we make policy, when we make decisions, let us make policy and decisions on the rules, not the exceptions. The exceptions are so small. They don't deserve all of this attention we're giving them. The vast majority of abortions in the country are totally elective because a woman just doesn't want to, doesn't feel ready, doesn't feel like she has the time or the money, and she has the child killed. So that's, we spent an entire show on this. I would highly appreciate if you would share this particular episode. And I, I hope that you felt some kind of preparation or response to some of those those uh, arguments you were seeing out there on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, people I like, and they're left-wingers, the people I'm friends with, friendly with, were putting out there their very woke posts about, if you don't care about the homeless and you don't care about the kids who are hungry and you don't care about this and this, then you don't really, you're not really pro-life. And just so, just to, I wanted you guys, if nothing else, to have in your own hearts and minds to know that apoc- let, let's say that we're all hip- hypocritical. It doesn't mean anything about the abortion debate. That was my bigger, my biggest point today. But and even along the other points, I just wanted you to have some responses that we have the righteous position. History will look kindly on the pro-life movement. We are the movement looking to save lives of the unborn. And this is a righteous cause that we are joining in together. If you would be so kind, share the show with others. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Also, if you want to support the show, anchor.fm. We'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. And until then, everybody, peace and love.